0: Welcome to another episode of Over Drinkers. I am Mike Burge, the host. <laughs> and I am Jack Holjeski not the host. I'm awesome. And also... here we are joined by a guest. I'm the guest? You're the guest. I'm so privileged. We're your three co hosts. No,
1: triple no. co-host. We can't do. That. I'm the host. Okay, you're the host. Jack's
0: He's the host. Uh, Robbie's the guest. I'm Robert and
1: Anderson. You're just by the here way, because you're Robbie's I friend, I just walked in.
2: Yeah. yeah. Okay.
1: <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Over Drinkers. <laughs> oh
0: God, you can't tell the difference between my voice and your voice. Sometimes you can Sometimes you can't. Sometimes you actually can't. <laughs> we're just uh, we're just two grizzled guys. white dudes. Ginger Boys. Talking. Grizzled, yeah. Grizzled. That's the word for mm-hmm. it. Yeah, Grizzled, so
2: that's what it is. Speaking okay. of Grizzled, what do we just see?
0: Well, today we're going to be talking about a fun little 2000 film mm. by the name of Memento. Memento. Christopher Nolan's second film, 2000, uh, starring teen heartthrob, Carrie Ann Moss. Uh, Guy Pierce is in it too. Uh-huh. He's there. And um, uh, Hot Rod Machine, Joe Pantaleano. Supporting uh, the mustache to end all mustaches.
2: Yeah, he looks looks scary uh, in that movie. He does. Yeah, he looks weird. He looks good. good. And this is actually
0: a special podcast. This is actually our 25th episode of Story Screen Presents of our podcasting unit. And uh, we just watched Memento together at a Story Screen screening Mm -hmm. at Harry's Hot Sandwiches in Beacon, New York. And we are actually in Harry's Hot Sandwiches right now.
1: Best After the, the screening. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys can hear the sandwiches, but they're good. It's gonna Isn't be hot. Some good
2: hot. reverby sandwich audio from this place. Mm-hmm. I feel it's it. good.
0: It's gonna be good. Harry's hot sandwiches is on Main Street in Beacon, New York. You should come on down. They're open every single day of the week, except for Mondays. You can get yourself some hot true. sandwiches, cold sandwiches, vegan delights, and anything you want. Now Let's talk podcast. about memento. Okay. Um, I love memento. Uh, it's one of my favorite little movies. Um, I'm a big fan of Noir and I actually I wrote a, I wrote a script uh, for a Neo Noir a couple years ago and in researching it, I watched like so much fucking Noir films, but I was really trying to focus on Neo Noir. That was made like after like the mid seventies, like during the resurgence in the early seventies and mid seventies, when they were making new noir movies like *The Long Goodbye*, and like these kind of uh, different uh, cultural takes on noir films. And *Memento* is a part of the second resurgence of that, that started in the late nineties with like *L.A. Confidential*, which also stars um, Baby Boy Guy Pierce. Mm-hmm. Um, Actually, fun fact, LA, his uh, role in L.A. Confidential and um, Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, is what got him this gig. Because Christopher Nolan, Guy Pierce was recommended to Christopher Nolan by a producer. And Christopher Nolan was like, who the hell is this guy? And
2: he watched oh, this, him and this was like, is... that's
0: the guy from L.A. Confidential? He had no idea that those two people no, that's were guy the same.
2: that's Guy from L.A. Confidential. That's the guy. No, this is just Guy. It's Guy. Yeah.
0: It's Guy, guy. Pierce. Mm-hmm. Mm. And, uh... That got him that gig, and I mean, I guess you want to, like... Jack, are you familiar with uh, how Memento
2: came about? Well, I think Chris Nolan uh, wrote it based on a short story by his brother um, and then decided it would be way better if he wrote it backwards because it was kind of boring uh, originally. Mm. Is that right?
0: Uh, The short story is just kind of... um, There's this whole joke about if you were to watch Memento in chronological order, like if you were to edit it together, and there actually is an edit out there that's available on certain DVDs where you can watch the whole thing in order, and I have. Um, It's really just a boring story about a dude walking around getting manipulated by everybody.
2: That is the joke I just made, yes.
0: Yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And the short story is kind of... You know, it's more told from the point of view of the character and it's kind of, it's it's exactly what you would think it would be without the um, the doodads and without the bells and whistles of, like, a Christopher Nolan film that kind of, like, make it so, spe- so special. Like, the color palette and uh, the editing and the sound design and all of that stuff, like, and the dialogue. Like, that's what makes it really special and makes it work and makes it click. Right. Uh, the story itself, you know... Deprived of the power of those tools, enforcing the themes and the things that they're trying to talk about about subjectivity and objectivity, it's kind of just a bland little noir mystery. Well, it's not bad. It's you, just. Um, I
2: mean, when you think about comparison, it's not. It's when, not as good when you think about most Chris Nolan movies. They're not. The plot is not usually complicated. In the, in the same way, Memento is a pretty straightforward plot, right? There's some there's a drug dealer. There's a man uh-huh. who's lost his memory. He's being manipulated by these people, as you said, for their own... He's manipulated by multiple people um, using his drive for revenge to their benefit. So it's a pretty simple plot. But the, the I think the reason that Christopher Nolan's movies click with people is because, like you said, the editing, the color palette... He is creating sort of an illusion around this movie. He, it, this, is a, this is a magic trick, if you'll forgive me that pun with, with the obvious example of the prestige. It is a, a magic trick yeah, of turning stage. this, this stage. pretty like simple plot into something so much grander through the use of editing and through the use of kind of obscuring the actual plot and letting it unfold for the viewer in this, well, in the case of Memento, incredibly unique way. But also in the way, case of The Prestige with sort of the twists that are going on in that movie as well as um, Inception. Like it's all pretty much pretty straightforward but done in this way that makes it so much bigger than what it actually is.
1: I mean I think Nolan like really like he utilizes like the film medium better than most people. Like he understands like how to use film to tell stories that other mediums cannot. Mm-hmm. And I think Memento, I think you know that's like the short version of what we all just kind of described.
3: Mm-hmm. Is
1: that he just has like you know, he makes a movie that's like this can really only exist as a film. Like you can't really just write it as a short story mm-hmm. or just like kind of tell it as like a
0: tale. Like it is
1: a movies movie you mm-hmm. know it,
0: like it's it's a hard movie to describe to people too like what makes it so good yeah and when you start doing that they're like that sounds annoying and actually i honestly i would say probably about 20 percent, if not more 20 percent of viewers that watch this movie are actually kind of annoyed by it or they because finish it. it doesn't offer you any um it's not holding your hand no and actually like it the, the filmmakers went out of their way to attempt to hold people's hands like in the first uh, three or four scenes, they kind of lay out... What, like, the opening scene is, is literally backwards. It's right. in reverse. Yeah. And fun fact about that, uh, that's not a... Um, uh, they didn't do that post. They didn't do that with an edit. They actually ran the film backwards through the camera. Really? Yeah. Well, that's, to that's be able to cool. capture things like that. And that doesn't make any sense to me.
2: Uh, I don't really know how film works. Exactly. So.
0: And like, I'm, I, I, I understand <laughs> cameras and how they work, but I, I heard that and I was like, that doesn't make any sense. I don't understand how this, and that's that's the magic that is the genius of Christopher Nolan. Another he manager. knows how that works. <laughs> he also talks about how like, you know, because the, the sound design in that opening scene is also uh, not being played in reverse. It's being played forward mm-hmm. just fine. So you're seeing the images in reverse, but you're catching the, the sound is... Normal, Right. And that's what kind of like adds to like the, the nervous anxiety that you get from that, where you're trying to figure out what's going on. I remember the first time I saw this movie had no idea what it was. And it was just like films, uh, like a, a older dude that was in film school while I was in high school. And I was thinking about going into film school um, was like, you need to check this movie out. Mm. And I think that was like maybe 2001, 2002, like right after it come out. And I remember watching it and the moment that gun just pops up off screen into his hand and the music cue like the is just like I still get goosebumps every time I see it yeah um and it's like in that scene and then they go to the black and white scene um which we'll get into the difference between black and white and color and like how it kind of loops around Mm -hmm. they go to a black and white scene and they show you uh these guys in a room and then they cut right back and you're in color and you're following this dude you don't know really what's going on, and then all of a sudden it ends with the thing that the previous scene ended with. Right. Only forward. Right. And then you're, we go back to the great black and white, and in that they kind of hold your hand and go, "This is what to expect." So, kind of keep up. And after that, the scenes are very long they give and you the very tools. expository. Like yeah. they're very, Like they're they're giving you all of the things that you need to know to grasp onto the information that characters are telling themselves or telling each other. And then you notice, like, during the middle of the movie, the scenes become very shorter. I was going to ask you... They start becoming very shorter because they're like, you got it? Okay, check this out. And then it starts divvying it out. Like, there's a couple scenes that are literally just jokes.
2: I would like to see sort of like a layout of how long each scene is. Because I picked up that the scenes were getting shorter. The Mm -hmm. flashbacks, you're rewinding the tape each time and then playing it forward. Rewinding it again, playing Mm -hmm. it forward. And I was curious... I, I noticed that the pace seemed to pick up over the course of the movie, and I'm curious if each scene gets shorter by a certain increment, because that's something I could see Chris Nolan doing. Like, this is, like, somewhat... Like, there's actual an actual meaning to each length of each scene, or if it's just kind of, like, the way the pace of the movie feels. Yeah, I think it's just pacing.
0: Yeah. Uh, I know... I mean, keeping them long at first is probably uh, purposefully done to... Keep everybody on task. Like what's going on. Let them connect with the characters because right. it's it kind of they're teaching you. Yeah, they're it,
1: teaching you the like, the mechanics a, of the movie. Yeah, it's yeah. it's
0: like um, the the reverse order side. The color mm-hmm. that one's a little tricky, and the way they do that is ending on big things, big moments, remem- memorable things. Uh, right. Joe Pantoliano getting his fucking head blown off and screaming no, or. Uh, yeah. Joe Pantoliano uh, screaming, Lenny, you know, when he comes through a door, when he slams on a car, like these little things that the, the gray scenes go like, oh, and they bleed in together, they overlap. And that allows you to go like, that's connecting to this previous one. Whereas the black and white kind of operates like a TV show where it's interrupted by commercials. Mm. And you're kind of like, you get what's going on here. You see like, oh, it's his leg says shave. All of a sudden you're in a different story. We know it's the same guy because they look alike. And But we don't know how they're going to connect. And we mm-hmm. find out later, like, they're they're about to merge in the middle. Yeah. The movie begins with the ending, cuts to the first black and white scene, which mm-hmm. is the beginning, and then the actual ending scene is the middle, where yeah. they kind of merge together. And, like, there's a drawing that Christopher Nolan put up about it where it's, like, the timeline isn't a straight line. It's more of a... Um, uh, um, open-ended oval mm-hmm. where it just kind of if you can imagine a line going and suddenly curving down and around and heading right back underneath itself and those two beginning points at the end the open end of the oval are the beginning of both of those stories and the very end the curve that's the ending that we see of the movie and there are these movies the black and white on the bottom and the uh, the color on the top, they're happening consecutively and following each other down and they reach themselves in the middle. And that's a super crazy idea to come up with. But it's also crazy how they perfectly executed it. And right. in a way where using these three or four first opening scenes, they kind of hold your hand. And then as soon as like they're like, okay, you got it. They just let you go and they just start going quicker. The scenes become shorter, faster, more is happening in them or less is happening in them and you're starting to lose focus. Like they do these things on purpose.
2: So clearly, Mike, this is a movie you've seen many times. Many or times. You're, or because... And it's definitely a movie that you can chew on and unpack. I don't know about you, but Robbie. I've seen it once. I've only seen it once as well. This is my second time seeing it. And I saw it for the first time probably quite some time ago. I think I was
1: going to Duchess for film, and then I saw this movie, which if there's any, like if you're uh, like an aspiring like film student, this movie like cracks your brain open like an egg and puts it on the frying pan. Right. It really right. does have
0: everything in there. It's got yeah. screenwriting, it's got editing, it's got lighting, it's got... It's know, a like,
1: movie's movie. Mm-hmm. Like it
0: is a movie that Even is like, you can only tell that story utilizing the weapons of film. Yeah, Like that's it. Even like the framing of shots mm-hmm. and the lighting... And the post editing, like the contrast and the black and white, yeah. are all like in the color. Everything is kind of told from um, Leonard's point of view, you know. And it's it, that's that's yeah. the, uh, the that's the um, the subjectivity of it. The subjective story is you're you're hearing his thoughts, and you're the cameras behind him, or the cameras in front of, the cameras following him. It's it very rarely leaves. Leonard, uh, it's either what he's looking at or I mean, he's there's not in a the scene frame. without him. Exactly, no. yeah, because it's his story, right. and um, all of these people are operating around him, and it's figuring out are they manipulating him? What are they doing? And then the black and white is very is is objective viewing, and it's even shot. You know, it's like a documentary. It's black and white. There's a narration that seems kind of like somebody's just kind of rambling on about like memory and like and what they're doing yeah and even like the camera is higher um uh, the contrast is brighter where like you can't like really make out things that are far away like the like the window is completely blotted out yeah. you can't see outside the window and that's why when he first leaves the hotel when the when the timelines start merging it's like such a a hit you're like oh my god like now we're going into the same world in black and white. Right. And it's like like you said, with for film for filmmakers and people that are into film, this is a must-see movie Definitely. for all of those different reasons. Yeah.
1: I see the black and white the way I always not always, but like when I was watching it this time, I kind of interpreted the black and white scenes. Besides like what we just described is also their the act almost as like act breaks in mm-hmm. the story. Because so if you only get like what, like Four big ones, and then and like they kind of like have a little bit of like exposition of like the past. We also get a little bit of like early inception bits because there's like memories and memories mm-hmm. kind of happening in those moments. But like they're kind of like uh, after like big series of like story and action happening, we get the black and white scenes that kind of like reset the palette and kind of like start
0: over like Visually the next thing well. Yeah, yes, definitely. Very much. Yeah, you're right. Because the color palette of <clears throat> the, the colored. Version is very um, muted. Very. Yeah. I mean, I love noticing every time. I feel like it's the first time I notice every single time I watch the movie that uh, the the suit that Leonard is wearing throughout the thing that's actually Jimmy's suit that we right. find out um, matches the color of the uh, the hotel that he's staying at. The doors mm-hmm. are it's this true. light blue, and the walls are like this kind of tan, tan gray, yeah. and that uh, echoes all throughout everywhere he goes like with the browns and all of these little things and I think at one point Christopher Nolan actually wanted the whole movie to just be blue to create this kind of coldness because mm-hmm. the movie's very cold and all yeah. the characters are very cold and they're very calculating and you don't understand like what they're doing is very fucked up until you get the context right. of what of what's going on in the scene like there's no better example than the Carrie Ann Moss scene with the pen Oh, right. She hides, she all, the hides pens, all the pens, and then she mm-hmm. just flips on him Yeah, um, and then the scene before that, we saw her being very open, and she's weak, and he protects her. And in a scene even prior to that, well, that's they like sleep um, together, and they're they're. they're Is that like
1: the Hitchcock, like when he explains editing, where it's like we're going to show you a, like a clip of like a little girl like walking around on the beach, and then we're going to do like a jump cut showing you a creepy old man staring at that girl and then cutting back to him Mm -hmm. like the film like the movie like it's basic kind of like we'll set you up with something and then we'll reverse back to it like it's like
0: a show uh, show them the bomb basically that's what he has a quote where he says he's like don't hide the bomb Like, show them that there's a bomb under the table Immediately, then do the scene. And that's because like what every... That's tension. That's just automatic tension. Mm-hmm. We know that there's a bomb. You don't even have to go back to it. The characters don't have to talk about it. It's even more interesting if the characters don't know about it. The audience knows about it, but the act, but the characters don't. Right. And that, that builds that tension. And they
2: do that with the beginning of this movie where you start with Joe Pantaliano. Pental... Pantaliano. 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 Uh, of oh, Nick's had... fame. Right, right. Um, oh, yeah. Should have taken the blue pill. Um, With his head blown off. So you have this like ultimate um, consequence of all the manipulation that happens in this movie at the very beginning. So you have that tension there. You have Mm -hmm. Leonard killing who he thinks to be John G at the very beginning.
1: Right. And you don't understand like kind of the full... You know, I because re- it's been so long since I've seen the movie, so it was kind of like watching it for the first time. Ironically, I kind yeah. of <laughs> forgot the
2: details of this movie. I
1: remember like when they were doing the scene where um, uh, it was Sammy Jenkins. Mm-hmm. Sammy is, Jenkins. Is, Sammy Jenkins. Ch- Sammy Jenkins is giving his wife the, I guess, insulin shots. Yes, mm-hmm. and I remember like it wasn't until like a few scenes before I was like. Oh right, he fucking kills her <laughs> that way. And I'm just like kind of like, like I, we were, like, you know. I was watching with my girlfriend. I was just like, "Oh my god, this is the, this it's is that scene. Rough, that's, that's, scene, scene man. that's like probably the most like hard to watch scene mm-hmm. in in this
0: movie." I would say, yeah. There's that one always pulls my uh, pulls my little heartstrings a little yeah, bit. Uh, definitely the scene where he talks about. Um, there's the obvious one where he talks about how can I grieve if I can't notice time? Like that's a very yeah, that's a very like uh, astute observation to attach to this character as part of their, uh, as part of their character. Like that's a really dark place to go. Yeah. But the when the first scene in the order of the movie, uh, we see Carrie Ann Moss, where she says, "Remember your wife. You know, close your eyes and remember her." Mm-hmm. He's got that line at the beginning where he says, "You can almost feel the details." And that's what memory is, and I think that in that thing that he talks about, he's like you remember these little tiny things that don't make that don't really matter and that don't really make any sense on their own. But you think about them long enough, and you think about enough of them, and all of a sudden those things come together and they form a person in your memory, and that's how you create yeah. the memory of a person. And I always think that that is just beautifully written, beautifully acted, and just it really gets to. The heart of what they're trying to do with the movie, yeah. which is talk about um, talk about identity and memory versus fact and subjectivity versus objectivity and reality versus uh, the fantasies that we create in ourselves using a character who really doesn't have control over either of those things yeah. in any of those areas.
2: Can we just take a step back and talk about how... Good Guy Pierce is in this movie. Dude, Guy Pierce is amazing. He's so good. Guy Pierce is amazing. That's a hard character to play.
0: Yeah, Guy Pierce is like I. I, Every time I think about Guy Pierce now, I think about Iron Man three. At the end of Iron Man three, when he's just like no shirt and he's just tatted up with like dragon tattoos, he's just like ha. Like he was having so much fun in that movie. Yeah.
2: Did he give up acting? That's the thing that made that I thought about with this is like he's so good in this. Where is he? What yeah. happened no, I to guy think Pierce? he I think
0: he actually did give up acting For and that, what this might have been something that happened a while ago and now he's back. Like this uh-huh. might have happened before Iron Man Three. Yeah. But I do think at some point he, Speaking
2: of memory loss, he I don't gave remember up. a single yeah. thing about Iron Man Iron Three Iron Man Three so is good. Yeah, I forgot Iron Guy Pierce is, is in Iron Man Three.
1: Guy Pierce is in Iron Man Three, he's the bad guy. So is William Sadler as
0: the president of the United States of America. Hashtag William Sadler.
2: Hashtag. Hmm. Don't remember. Mm,
0: and he's really good he's like, good and um like LA Confidential what was that movie uh, Lock, Lockdown Lockup Lockdown, Lockdown is, like, is
2: the prison movie in the space the prison movie in space Die Hard in
0: Space with Guy Pierce. Yep. he's great in that mm-hmm. that movie's like not all that awesome but like Guy Pierce is like oh you want me to be Bruce Willis you got it sure so, thing like
3: it's
1: perfect and he's a perfect <laughs> Bruce I Willis that's guy. the greatest
0: uh, Bruce Willis impersonation I've
2: ever seen <laughs> it's really
1: really good now he's got, all the performances in this movie are
0: good
2: um, yeah, young Carrie Ann Moss. What's up? Hey. Carrie Ann
0: Moss is great. Like, Carrie Ann Moss gets Ooh, looked over. You like,
2: manipulate me anytime. Yeah, yeah. all of her, Damn, all man. of her
0: stuff. Like, uh, what she she's in uh, Jessica Jones yes. and uh, the Netflix yes. Marvel shows, and she kills. She's every great. single scene that she's in. man. Mm-hmm. like, like she's uh, she was one of the saving graces for um, Iron Fist. She Did pops up. She pops up in Iron Fist. Worth it. I guess. her being it in it or watching, Iron, watching Fist. Oh, Iron Fist. I have not enough. Worth no. it. I still but, got to see know, Terminator 2. Like, I'm not going to... I'm not, gonna, <laughs> not watching Iron Fist. I'm not going to make you do something. Mike's going like to have to edit like that, that out,
2: too. otherwise we can't keep this long. No, no, no that's already... that's already. I think it's out now. Out out there. Now. Out there now? I
0: think the RoboCop... We uh, said it, right? I we said, we said it. it yeah. yeah, he came out. He admitted it. He owned it. Oh, but true. we're actually waiting to go see Terminator 2. It's for supposed it. to be released this summer right. in 3D. We, so I
2: haven't know. been teasing him about it be- once he decided that he was going to see it in theaters for the oh, first time. Oh, I'm still time. teasing him. Because cool, no, ridiculous. Yeah, of course. But to be able to say I've never seen Terminator 2 and then go see Terminator 2 in the fucking theater. Who wins now? For the first time. He's the winner. It jokes on us now. That's true. Thank you. To Still see, memento,
1: yeah. yeah, Memento's good. Uh, what was the name We're of that actress again? We're going to do a hot again? take on there Terminator was, 2.
0: We are going to do a hot take. I mean,
1: that's the whole reason.
2: Otherwise, <laughs> <laughs> I just I fucking this watch is a, it. a
0: pretty good uh, spot for a segue. What? Okay. What I really want to talk about is, uh, real quick, let's talk about Christopher Nolan. Mm. And Christopher Nolan movies, because there's a lot of movies to talk about, Um I think that, uh, you know, we can save the Batman movies for another time, perhaps. (gasps) Foreshadowing. Mm, Perhaps we can do that.
2: Perhaps we will chronicle them. Maybe we will
0: chronicle them. Perhaps, but... Uh, like, uh, have either of you guys seen his first movie, Following? Actually, I actually have not seen Following. That's magazine. the one a lot of people haven't seen. I <laughs> thought
1: this was his first movie until no, you yeah, said yeah, yeah. uh,
0: so Following,
2: not. what a hell of a first movie that would have been! Fuck. Well, yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> I mean, it really is
0: the movie that kind of like shot him out sure. there. And I think the reason that he was able to get uh, the budget that he got is because of how like well received Following was, like, in its little circuits that it played. Um, uh, Following's really, really good. It's very hard to explain that movie is that the all black and white movie? yeah it's an all black and white yeah, movie okay. about a guy who follows people he just oh. picks somebody out in a crowd and follows them and uh that ends up like he eventually ends up following somebody that maybe he shouldn't have mm. um it's really really good uh, i recommend that you guys watch it and you listening you should definitely watch that movie uh but right after memento i believe he did insomnia also, haven't seen that. Yeah, with Robin Williams and Al Pacino. Yeah, okay,
1: I did see that. That one's really good, based on a Stephen King book. That's wow. some powerhouse like
0: acting creds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For, like like he, his he third started movie. picking up people because yeah. he's really got this. Uh, when he was doing like you know when he was uh, touring Memento around, like you look at interviews with him, and he's really got this new classic director presence. Like he's got yeah. this look. And this confidence, and when he talks about film, he uses the word extrapolate a lot. <laughs> Extrapulate? extrapolate. Can you define that? Extrapolating, taking something, taking from something, and lapping it, and 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 uh, doing with it what you will. Is that like a sex thing? I don't know, but he says it a lot. You re- watch <laughs> interviews from from. From the 90s to today, he's just extrapolating all it's, over the it's place. It's probably
2: an, in Chris Nolan joke. Every time he says it in an interview, he's like... That's, that's from that's my buddy Ted. Yeah. That's <laughs> from my, my boy Ted. That's from my boy, Ted. My boy no. Ted. Yeah, <laughs> what's up, buddy? Um, But even you. like his
0: look, like, you know, like that that hair of his and like the... He's always like wearing like jackets that look a little bit too big for him. Mm-hmm. You know, like he's got that... This look that if you were to like, you know, um, it's caricature almost. Mm-hmm. Like if you were to show... You know, like somebody with like you know a baseball cap and like round glasses and a beard. You'd be like, "That looks like Steven Spielberg." You know, like that's his kind or of like stick. James Gunn and J.J. Abrams sometimes I confuse as the same person. Or like the biggest Jorts in the world. The biggest Jorts. Biggest Jorts in the world. Yeah, right. You can mm-hmm. do those. Um, Insomnia is really, about really good. Uh, yeah. But then, after Insomnia, I believe yeah. it was when he broke into the Batman movies. And then we get a Batman and and Prestige, prestige.
1: Dark Knight, Inception, uh, Batman, the bad one, and the Bane one. The Bane one's the The bad one. That's not a good movie.
0: Is there one in between Dark Knight Rises and Dunkirk that I'm not... Oh, there is. Yeah, Interstellar. Yeah. Interstellar. Oh, the yeah, other. Bad I forgot one. about that one. Yeah.
2: Interstellar is good. No, it's not. It's, it's
1: three hour. It's like three hours too uh, long. Don't, I mean, like, don't, don't, don't tell me the uh,
2: bat, the third Batman movie is bad, and then say Interstellar is good. Oh, I'm not <laughs> saying Interstellar is amazing, but well, it's well, definitely well, like, better. Like, the Prestige. Ten out of ten. I kind of like that.
0: I really like that movie. The Prestige well, is
2: probably my favorite. I think it's It's a little mine too.
0: silly. And it's about magic. Exactly, but it's not magic. It's it's electrical magic. Illusion. Yeah. It's illusions. illusions, Prestige. and it's got Michael Caine. It's and got it's amazing. Huge act man, which is always and a win. Fucking for a movie. David
2: Bowie as Tesla. Yeah, which is yeah.
0: Any movie that's got David Bowie starring as Tesla's, uh, that's... Um, Probably the best. You're welcome. Yeah. yeah. That's it. I think yeah. Prestige is like a really good movie. I love I mean, I, I enjoy love it. it.
1: Do people like not like Prestige? Yeah, people cool?
0: do not like Prestige. Are they it doesn't like Prestige? A lot of people don't like Prestige. A lot David of people Bowie I talk haters? to... But they're also the <laughs> Who are those people? They're also the same <laughs> people. people. They're also the same people that are just like, you know... Yeah. Interstellar is fucking dumb, and Inception is fucking dumb, and the Prestige is fucking dumb. Like they're they're just constantly like, oh, it's what it is, and I agree with the dumbness of um, Interstellar, and I half agree with the dumbness of Inception because the okay. first time I saw Inception, I was like, this fucking movie that thinks it is so fucking smart. <laughs> That's the but thing- it is just like it's just a trick yeah it's it's well, more like trick than newer... the prestige well like, that's kind
2: of what i said at the top like it's he does chris nolan does these allusions to movies that are relatively simple in mm-hmm. plot yeah and he makes them a lot bigger than what they actually are through the trick mm-hmm. and the trick is usually pretty good yeah. yeah i mean that's why i'm really
0: excited about dunkirk because it doesn't look like dunkirk has any like uh, any uh gimmickry
2: to it i'm curious about dunkirk because it for that reason, like yeah. Chris Nolan usually has some sort of later Nolan. To I've do. been his warm on. I think we all kind of been a little lukewarm. That's kind of okay. what we're describing as let's, us becoming more lukewarm. On let's Nolan unpack movies. Interstellar for a second because I was really pumped for Interstellar before it came out, mm-hmm. and it nails the sense of place in the in the start of the movie with the sort of like post-apocalypse, but not really post-apocalypse. Just like the kind of decline of modern society to the point yeah. where we need to get off Earth. And I thought that was so well handled and so subtle in mean, the way that it was handled where, like, the government has collapsed but, like, life kind of still goes on. They're still going to school. You have, still have issues at school. Like, that sense of place was really excellent. And then they nailed the feel of that sort of desperate last space mission. And even, like, even the wink and the nods at, like, this the artificial intelligence. It's like, ha-ha, I'm going to kill you all. Like, mm-hmm. the obvious scientific tropes that it is staring in the face and doing a good job of kind of... Swerving around those tropes, and then about probably right after the first act just falls into the, all those tropes mm-hmm. in the corniest way possible and then finishes with maybe the corniest resolution I've ever seen and then, and then drags itself for another half an hour after that corny it's,
0: Interstellar lost me. And movies, um, movies don't usually lose me. Like usually, I'm like, let's stick this through, and let's see what's going on. But yeah. Interstellar, like, really lost me. and we, I don't know if it's because of the length. I think it's mainly because in the very beginning, when you're first introduced to these characters, and I mean, this is like my one pet peeve with movies. When I am in, in the first 15 minutes of a movie is very important, and. The first time that we are introduced to the character in Interstellar, Matthew McConaughey's character, Mm -hmm. we are told that the Earth is in trouble. We're running out of food. We're running out of everything. Very real problem. Very real problem. And one of the first things that we see our hero do is plow through a cornfield, destroying miles of corn and food to chase a drone plane and when he gets the drone plane he's just like I can throw this in up somewhere like it's not even like a real reason to be chasing it he destroys food for this thing that he doesn't even really need mm-hmm. and he endangers his kids because like they're not even buckled up in this truck <laughs> you know and it's it, 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 it rubbed me the wrong way aggressively for the rest of the movie it made a mark on me for the rest of the movie where I was like I feel like the people that are making this movie are not taking what they're talking about seriously Mm. and they're Mm. kind of utilizing spectacle over substance and the point that they're trying to make is a good one and it was very timely because that was that was right around the time when you know uh, global warming and the fact that like we are affecting our planet and it's happening was starting to really come up more and more and more where it's like, we need to address this because shit's getting worse. You know, this shit's been around for years, but it was really starting to come up where it's like, we need to do something because eventually we're, we're just going to be an apocalyptic movie. We
2: can't wait till uh, Interstellar 2 in three years where they have to remind us again. Just so you guys Ooh. know. It's right so after, bad. right just... after an Inconvenient yeah. Truth 2 comes mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. I think I like Inconvenient sequel. Yes.
1: Ah. That's what it's called. I like I liked Interstellar. I didn't love Interstellar. I liked Interstellar because I went into that movie being like sober. I was probably the most burnt human from the third Batman movie. You
2: really are upset. I it, fucking You're I can't you. wait till Do you wanna maybe... unpack that? Want no, that's like... no, 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 no. not no,
1: not the time. <laughs> There's a time and a place for that. I'll that's throw true. I'll throw a battering at it soon enough. Mm-hmm. Ooh, ooh. Uh, but Interstellar I remember On going into Batman. being like Fuck Christopher Nolan right now. Fuck this movie. And I remember being like, "Oh, it's not so bad," and I liked it. And I thought like the sound mixing was really fucking weird. I don't want to shit on it because it's it's really. I was down with like the fourth dimension being love because like because you can't take this movie. You kind of you you can't take the movie too seriously as a sci-fi epic because it has some of these more that movie wanted to be two thousand
2: one so fucking bad, but it might as well have been two thousand one. They were like, "It's a space fetus." Do you get it? Check it out, and then like just like it go, being a close up on Matthew McConaughey's face, and then being like the space fetus was about love. Did you get it? I
1: thought that the Matt Damon chunk was the m- the most the biggest offender of that, that is movie. where the
0: movie
2: lost me. Yeah. the minute that if they you, that needs, head, I think that needs to get that's cut why, out.
0: That's why I want to talk about these movies because there's I love Matt Damon as Dr. Man. No, so yeah, like well, yeah. when yeah. he shows up, I'm like, yeah, dude, and like I get it it's man versus nature on the first planet with the water and it kills Wes Bentley may he rest in peace yeah he died in that uh, movie he died he got the death Yeah, knocked out of him Yeah, don't um, talk about how he died but then time. it's man versus man <laughs> with when they go there and Dr. Man's been there the whole time and he sent a distress call because he didn't want to die that's where it falls apart of for and me it's, it's like, the, I,
2: the, the same like trope of we're on a spaceship we're humanity's last hope and we're gonna like fuck each other over for yeah. basically no reason
0: and that's but that's interesting uh, story that's interesting substance because it's it's a tale as old as time it's it's that um, man is we are our own worst enemy no matter how good the intentions of the one the many are always going to halt that good because deep down Uh, people are greedy and out for themselves. And that's not a reality. That's not actually how everybody is. But in the overall uh, paint stroke of a sci-fi movie that's talking about man's last days and man trying to save themselves, it's the idea that, well man got us there in the first place so what makes you think for a second that man is going to be able to get us out of it instead of just making matters worse
2: which would have been better if they handled that with a little more thought in that sort of way but it was pretty much just the same sort of sci-fi trope where uh, one single person fucks over the whole mission because of their own personal gain Mm -hmm. and it just fell back on this kind of that sci-fi trope that just felt Kind of lazy, and then yep. they jettisoned right into the whole like love themes yeah. that just seem so corny and as high-handed.
0: a as a blockbuster spectacle, I like it. It's effective. Now yeah. Inception.
1: Inception, what ruined? So I like Inception, but like one of the things that I that made me very like I don't I've seen Inception once, I never want to see it again. Is interesting. Uh, if you guys remember, just like the like the hysteria of douchebag film folks. Like, your friends who, like, went to... F- me. People like me who went to <laughs> film school and were just like, Inception is literally the greatest movie I've ever seen, And, like, that times a million. It's just, like, the, the hype of yeah. that movie. I remember just being like, I can't, like, physically... I don't have enough, like, okay. dopamine in my body to enjoy this. Like, I can't.
2: So, I think... Yeah, I agree with you, because Thanks. the hype around Inception was kind of gross. Like, it, was, it was like mm. people were just, just, just advertising screaming campaign. all over yeah, the- yeah. it. Like,
0: it's one of the smartest movies you've ever seen. And it's like, well... And it's like, you're telling me that, and everybody's saying that. It sounds like somebody told everybody to say that. Right. It's the same thing with Interstellar. They were like, it's one of the most scientifically accurate movies you've ever yeah, seen. Yeah, it was like, we bullshit. Had real scientists come on... And it's like, what are you... T- it's, it's, yeah. a, it's such a loose gimmick to try and sell a movie on, when really by the time of Inception and Interstellar's release all you had to do was say like it's by the guy that's doing Batman yeah that's, that's it that's fun. all you need it's, it's got fun. Leonardo that's, DiCaprio that's, in it
2: that's my question easy at what point did you see Inception because I think around the time that it came out I just went and saw it pretty much right away because it was yeah, just by the dude night. that I did Batman it so I was like yeah You're I'm gonna down, see this movie yeah. and I walked out of it thinking that was a good ass movie and then yes the hype got so out of control that it right. becomes one of those things like hype can kill just about my buzz for just about anything. For sure. I mean, by the time Breaking Bad why? finished, because when when something is good, yeah, and it's it's it's, it's, a, it's a weird phenomenon know, to explain. Yeah, why, it's, it's a weird. Why, yeah. I'm glad so you sort of, did ask why, because
1: yeah. I never have been able to accurately. Because explain
2: it. I think it's because it's it's the same phenomenon that you see over and over again with like I like the demo better, right? When it comes to music, it's like when it's small. You, you kind of can take it owner, ownership over it, but when everybody's talking about it, then it's not. I mean, honestly, if we're gonna be, if I'm gonna be honest here, it's probably less cool. People, everybody's talking about it. Right. right. So there is, a, think, there
0: is a diminishing quality that comes to universal acclaim, or exactly. at least even universal recognition. Like yeah. people are aware of it, and that kind of makes it. It's not a little ish, gooey brand. It, 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 it changes. Yes. It, it changes. Yep. Even though you don't... Like, it's not a pretentious thing, and it's not... You it know, is like, somewhat about, of a pretentious It's thing. somewhat of a pretentious thing, but yes. it's not a pretentious thing. Like, it's, it, it's deep down not about... It's not cool anymore, because everybody knows about it. It's more, I felt a certain way about it, because I had an experience with this movie, and I enjoyed it. And now you start seeing everybody else having these different experiences with it, and you realize that, oh... Maybe what I saw in that movie was more me than what the movie was actually doing, and that 's still a good movie, yeah, it just changes how you feel about it exactly that's right. why that 's why I never would say inception's a
1: bad movie because it's not it's a great it's a great film, yeah, but it's just like you know, and i think i'm I'm getting old enough to the point now where like things that get hyped up and things that people really like it doesn't affect me as much anymore. If right. like a thousand, if a million people, the whole world's like, I really like this thing, I, and I see it. I'm strong. I have, I have enough confidence in myself to be like, yeah, I like it too, without having to worry about that stuff. But I remember Inception, the way it came out, and like the fever behind it. That was probably was something else. Right something around else. the
2: time that we were probably feeling at our most pretentious. Oh my god. You, oh yeah. I think I life, like. I
1: was, was starting. T- I transferred to P- SUNY Purchase, so I had to fit in. So I was probably the biggest piece of shit ever, because right. like everyone's like a nerdy. Piece of shit pretentious art kid. There, everyone is. A and I had some really good. And I had like, some oh, really bro, good I gotta friends. Dye my hair pink right now. I gotta do it to be to be cool. Mm-hmm. I remember I had just like I had some kid yelling at me, being like, you know that Inception's an allegory for film, right? And I was like, first of all. All of Christopher Nolan's movies are an allegory for film. Prestige and did you that should way go.
0: Better. Oh, yeah. Prestige, it's Prestige is 3x structure. Mm-hmm. That's what the movie's about. The entire point of Memento, which is the movie that we're talking about. What? Uh, <laughs> sorry. The hey, entire sorry, point, like, sorry, said, I, we I forgot. forgot. What makes Memento so good is the <laughs> editing and how the yes. film is structured and presented. That's all yep. about film. Mm-hmm. Insomnia, I don't think Insomnia has too much to do about it's, film. I think it was oh, just a yep. Stephen King adaptation.
1: Yeah, I mean, Batman, I also don't think has so much to do about film. He's just trying to tell, like, the, what I like about the Bat, like the first two Batman movies is just Christopher Nolan being like, I want to tell a kick ass Batman story. Well, I yeah. mean, and really. But also grit it, like, kind of, well, like, ground it, which the is a trilogy. Cool. Well, it's, of, it's Chris Nolan saying, uh, Frank Miller's pretty
3: good.
0: Yes. yes. The trilogy of uh, the Nolan Batmans and the trilogy of Prestige, Inception, Interstellar is one of mm. the greatest examples of the studio um, and. Uh, awesomely hot director doing the one for you, one for me. Right. Yeah, That's exactly totally what it is. He's like, I will fucking make you a Batman movie if you let me make this movie about uh, electrical magic. And I'll do another Batman movie with for you, but I want to do a movie <laughs> that, that totally rips off a DuckTales comic about dreams within dreams. Do you uh, guys okay. not know about that? Uh, you guys uh, not, you know about that? Nope. No. There's a DuckTales comic just look it up okay and then dark knight rises and then i want to make weird uh, 2001 space <laughs> I wanna, Odyssey. i want to rip off 2001 <laughs> yeah. space odyssey with matthew mcconaughey because he's so hot right now he right is, you right. know like it and was right after true detective right and or i honestly of... i honestly think that when i first saw inception didn't dig it loved the camera work because how the fuck can you know? Hey, that movie looks amazing. It looks yeah. so good. It's and incredible. it's got... And it's Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who is just like... Austin's awesome, so hot. He's just hot. He's mm-hmm. just a hot guy. If you don't Tom stare Hardy, at him... Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy. Just like hot. coming on in there. I love that movie because nobody knew who the fuck Tom Hardy was. Then he was And man. all of a sudden he shows up and they're like,
2: who's that like super hot dude... That's fucking Bronson, That's like acting man, dude.
0: the fuck out of that room oh, that's, that's got that's Leonardo Mad DiCaprio, <laughs> Ellen Page... Michael Caine, like, this movie that has all these big actors, and then there's just, like, this British dude yeah. who's just like, I'm the best fucking part but of But I think, movie. like, that's
1: mm-hmm. kind of, like, the issue with, like, Inception, and kind of, like, the ones for me's, is that, like, since Batman Begins, like, the movies were being, like, Nolan movies weren't what Nolan movies used to be. Where Nolan movies used to have, like, when you say, oh, it's a Nolan movie, so, it's a Nolan movie, so, like, it's like it's a really good movie that's like, understands film, and he's a really smart dude. Nolan movies became, to the basic public, it's like, Michael Caine's definitely going to be in that one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's going to have stunts, and it's going to have a story. God
2: damn it, Chris, if you make Michael Caine cry on film one more time, one more time. I'm still going to watch it.
0: I'll watch Muddy King Cry.
2: I'll, I'll, I'll... Well, it's actually I'm also really gonna interesting. About, <laughs> That's all, I'm
0: just going to cry. That's movies. my threat. What, I'm what just have just I told cry. you? Separating, separating his movies as trilogies <laughs> is really cool because actually... Before I never thought about that, that way. That Begins is, really cool. ...is also following and Insomnia. Ah. Uh, three small movies. Right. Yeah. Um, that get progressively bigger as they, as right. they are released. Like with bigger names, bigger budget. Um... And then you've got the three Batmans, and then you've got these three movies that are kind of homages to. They're a Cornetto and uh, sure. Like these meta commentaries on film and how film is its own culture and its own kind of living organism mm-hmm. as an art form. And so Dunkirk, in that respect, if he is doing something like that, whether it's subconsciously or consciously, Dunkirk is it's the, the beginning. beginning of something new because this is the first time that he's been completely uh, detached. Mm -hmm. From the Batman movies. Enough time has
2: passed now. There's a new Batman. Yes. Do you think Chris Nolan is looking at that new Batman and just what is just Laughing his ass off, probably. Well didn't he have something to
0: do? He had something to do with Man of Steel. Did when he? they were kind of like he was like a uh, he producer produced, or something he like that. It. He yeah. produced it. But yeah. like him as a producer, the director of the Batman movies that were so successful that got DC to where they are right now yeah. as a producer on the new Superman reboot, he had some say definitely. as a producer. He was he was definitely had some say in like what was going on, how it was gonna look, who was getting picked. Uh um, yeah. that's your Panda, I okay. think that he has mm-hmm. kind of detached himself from yeah. all that now I don't know he may, he may very well still well, be a producer the thing of is, every like, DC movie maybe
2: but if you We're look, if look at Man nipples of Steel we'll have to do it again we'll a while since we tried that but
0: the thing is like if you look at
1: Man of Steel compared to Batman for Superman Man of Steel they kind of they ground it by adding more of the alien shit because by explaining and showing us like Superman's like Actual origin and backstory that right. grounds this actual alien character, kind of like how you ground Batman, Batman, Batman by
2: showing ninja shit. But then, when
1: exactly, and then, but then when you see BVS, it's just like a clown. Oh, it's it 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 it. it's a clown car on fire.
2: See, the problem is you it's, saw BVS. I am a pure. Oh, salt. you're a pure. Oh, guess, guess no, what, you Jack? You're to see gonna. See he's gonna.
1: You need to it. see that. He is. Gonna, it, fuck it. It's so bad. It's <sighs> good. So.
2: It's so good to understand how bad that movie is. Mm -hmm. I'll do it for you guys. You're gonna... It's gonna take a piece of me away, but (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'll do it for you guys. Three hours of a piece. Memento.
0: What? Oh, right.
2: Hold on. I
1: wrote this down somewhere.
0: Yeah. Oh, I tattooed
1: it on my Mm -hmm.
0: chest. I mean, and also, to break back into Memento, I think that dressing up as Leonard Shelby... For Halloween is probably a great costume
2: idea that I have yet to see in my life. And now Ooh. you can't do this here because you committed it to audio. Or you can. Call oh, it. If, any, if anyone, uses the well, one I can that dress can up do it. With it. Tomorrow.
0: You have an ill fitting suit? If I wanted yeah. to, I'd go to Goodwill. Uh, yeah, you could yeah. find Hashtag
2: that tag exactly <laughs> will. Will. for sure. Yeah, for yeah. Sure. yeah. Well, there you like go. Two thousand <laughs> uh, ill-fitting suit. Yeah. Well, I sure. remember. I actually looked I, don't that, know, I
0: think that suit kind of fits him pretty good for him just like taking it off as some
2: dude. That it could have. It, it could have fit worse, but I remember. It could have fit way worse. I remember, I remember thinking it, at the beginning. It's. Well, it looks well, I remember, like a I suit. I remember being suit. like,
1: when when does this movie? <laughs> well, I remember looking at it being like, when does this movie take place? Because there was a time where like the baggy suit was a thing. Yeah. I was
2: like, is this a really? It's called the nineties. Yeah.
1: And then it's, but then you see him wearing a nice suit. When he's in the past and has a job, yeah, he's wearing like he's nice, wearing like, like a nice cut. Yeah, he has like the best and
0: shit. And I yeah. like that idea too about him being a, uh, you know, because noir is always about like some dude that probably shouldn't be in on this case. You know, the classic like um, he's in over his head yeah, yeah, yeah. kind yeah. of stuff. And this is a dude who was an insurance investigator, mm-hmm. so he's got the tools but not like the the charm or the knowledge or like the cash to be able to really pull this shit yeah. off. Right. He he's like take pictures which is a big insurance investigator thing, right. make right. notes, uh do interviews, he, he handles knows how to look the at people, people in the eye, in yep. the eye and stuff he like that. He
1: handles this case not like a <coughs> private eye, but like an a gosh. Yeah.
0: There's somebody who's like kind of just like out of their element, mm-hmm. but playing it cool because like they're like, if I stop now, like I'm dead. Like I need yeah. I need to I need to see this through to the end.
2: He is charming as hell in this movie. Everyone he meets, oh, he's yeah. just like oh I got this thing because the the like, that's it's, the only
1: way you can explain. Because if you come across like I think I even have a problem, yeah. everyone's
0: gonna be like, go away. Oh, that's, <laughs> this is a good time too to talk about the elephant in the room about Memento, mental illness. No. Which, yeah, I mean, the reason that we chose to play Memento for uh, Mental Health Awareness Month wasn't so much because of the mental condition that uh, Leonard's character has. It's that he creates a false reality um, to protect himself from the world because of his illness. And this is something that can be attributed to any actual illness that people may have in the world some people have uh, mental health issues that that's the only way that they can protect themselves from other people is to create a different version of events that happened that led to it or why they are where they are and right. that's why we chose to do this also too because it's a kick-ass fucking movie yes it rocks and people have been asking me to play this actually ever since we started story screen almost three years ago played it tonight here we are, here we are. where were are you um, but True, sure. the, uh, the thing about uh, the thing that like, is kind of like an elephant in the room about Memento that people do bring up is Quentin Tarantino hottest man in the world when this movie came out when it was screening in like 1999 then released in 2000 uh, he said really liked the movie how the fuck does he remember his own condition and he pointed that out as a plot hole, mm. and it was like, "How does he remember his own condition?" And I love Quentin Tarantino. The motherfucker has not made a bad movie, and he's made almost ten of them. That's saying something. Mm-hmm. He knows um, it. He reminds it us. Literally all the time. changed the way movies are made.
2: I would say twice. Um, Can you walk through that for us, non? Uh, uh,
0: Pulp Fiction completely changed the way that movies were made in the mid '90s. A lot of people tried to copy shit off of that, and a lot of directors well, memento, got their shit. Memento is similar. It's very much yes, yeah. absolutely, yeah. And then I also, I really do believe that Inglorious Bastards changed things, and I don't know exactly how to articulate that. Okay, but that's fair. I feel like Inglorious Bastards, when I first saw it, did something. And I guess I could even attribute that to Kill Bill, Kill Bill 1 and 2 coming out, because they kind of did like do this hyper-reality thing that you see more and more now. It kind of brought back... Like Grindhouse with Robert Rodriguez and Quentin Tarantino was definitely uh, a byproduct of the Kill Bill movies and their Mm -hmm. success. And now we have movies like Machete... And Machete in space, Machete Kills, and all those things, and other people are making movies like this that give these smaller horror directors oh, the these shotgun. ways to like make yeah. these yeah. like B movies yeah. like in vain, like for fun. Um, mm-hmm. but I think Inglorious mm-hmm. Bastards is one of those movies that in like 10 years from now, there's gonna be a completely different outlook on what Inglorious Bastards mm-hmm. did.
2: But okay, Quentin for real Tarantino is probably a good way to describe it. Right. Yeah.
0: But Quentin Tarantino saying mm-hmm. that, uh, I want to say, like, do we even watch in the movie? Like, they literally talk about, they point out that uh, through repetition and it's
2: conditioning, conditioning.
0: Yeah. you can make yourself remember, like, that your fucking wife, that you didn't kill your wife, that she was raped and murdered, right. and that's your whole existence. Like, he can remember how to uh, uh, give himself tattoos. Yeah. Right. Like homemade tattoos with a pen and a needle. Right. Like he can is, remember all the of these things. Like, after. that's why yeah. that's the first thing he says whenever he talks to somebody. It's conditioning. It's when he starts talking to somebody and he sees in their eyes that they know he's him. talked to them before. He's like, oh, I have this condition. I've said this Oh, you know. He yeah. breaks the ice with it. Right. You know, so and it's like, I always hate it when people do bring up that. Like, oh, it's got that major plot. Like, how is you remember that? And it's like, well, how does he remember, like, like, where things are in his pockets? Like, if you pay attention, he keeps all his different Polaroids, locations, and people in different pockets. Well,
2: he mentions that. He says you have to have, like, six different pockets yeah. to make this work. Because mm-hmm. he says, I have discipline. I am yes. conditioning myself. Whereas... Uh, Sammy... Uh, Jus- Sammy Jenkins. Sorry, Sammy for, Jenkins. I forgot yeah. Sammy Jenkins. Should
0: just be Jenkins. Should be.
2: Jenkins sounds funny. It kind of sounds like Jankum. And
0: that's also, too, like, that's another <laughs> big part of it, having Remember Sammy Jenkins right there. On his hand. And we see that in the first couple scenes, like, mm. he's trying to wipe that off, now, because it's that's the first thing he sees, and it goes, and he tries to, I don't remember where I am. It's like Remember a, Sammy Jenkins. So we had that it's thing. His, it's his totem. So it's I, his, like... That's I wanna, how he conditions himself yeah. to
2: remember it. I want to dig into the Sammy Jenkins thing, mm-hmm. because do you think Remember Sammy Jenkins is... Him trying to remember himself or him trying to, like you said, condition himself to forget the truth. So,
1: so I also... Both. I want to springboard off this. Does him, is he forgetting that he actually is the one who killed his wife, yes. or is that the cop like, trying to emplace false memories in his head?
0: Okay, so... Is that a, that's a fair... Okay. No, 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 no. Okay. So, uh... I that's think, what I'm First divided off, uh, let's define what uh, Teddy's role, objective is, role is yeah. in um, Leonard's life. Man, uh,
2: Teddy is a great character. Teddy, as it's far amazing as we character. know,
0: from what he's told us, and again, this is what leads to the ambiguity of the ending, we don't know what anybody says is real. Yeah. Because we are Leonard. We don't know. We don't conno- have even know the facts right. that Leonard presents He us. says that
2: too. You don't have any Yes.
0: Having a protagonist who is confident... And speaks with confidence, and and understands their situation, and is informing us of that. Mm-hmm. We automatically go, this character is reliable. They're telling us the information we need. And about halfway through the movie, we realize, wait a second, I don't this guy know. does not know what's going on. He's taking fucking he's he, he's writing down things he's talking with a stranger on a phone as facts. Yeah, getting rid of facts, previous facts that he had. So it's all fucked up from there. Teddy's role in Leonard's day to day life is from what we know Teddy was the cop that was assigned to investigate Leonard's wife's death. Right. No, now
2: his wife's rape. this
0: cannot be true. His ring, The home invasion. Ra- the rape, the home invasion. Yes. Because we know that she didn't actually die in that. She died of insulin overdose administered mm-hmm. by Leonard. Yes. Now uh so he's a dirty cop. Right. Who has been using Leonard, who is unhinged and mentally unstable mm-hmm. in more ways than just his uh, memory condition. As a proxy he murderer. Is, he is yeah. fucked up. He is angry. He can't control his emotions because his m- emotions are not allowed to set or or build. They just keep getting reset. Yeah. So he has learned over the course of who knows how long. Years. Because he's got all these tattoos and these tattoos, some of them look older than others. And they are just like layered on top of each other. He has been using Leonard to take out drug dealers and take their money. Yeah. Um, And that's, we catch him at the end of the movie, the beginning of the story, um, putting him on the case of this man, Jimmy, who Teddy has been saying like, I'm a drug dealer. I'm going to, I, I would like to buy some drugs from you meet me here I have the drugs Uh, no no I I would like to sell you drugs you bring me money uh, to this place and I will bring the drugs there and instead he sends uh, Leonard who he has been for days conditioning into thinking that Jimmy Mm -hmm. is um, is the man is the John G that killed his wife and he just lets he kills him and he shows up there and they take the money and he waits until Leonard forgets and they go to another town and They do it again. Same thing happens. But this time, um, Jimmy says, Sammy. And it fucks Leonard up. Yeah. So when uh, Teddy shows up to collect the money and kind of restart everything and move on to another town, it's all been fucked up because now... Leonard is kind of what the fuck's going on? What's I think actually? You know what? I think I'm going to take a moment for this right. with some and that with somebody like Leonard is not a good thing because him taking a moment, he's just going to fucking forget everything. So he takes the car that has all the money throughout the whole movie. Teddy is just trying to get that car from him. Right. Yes. I he's honestly always asking. He's always car. like, why do not we just take do this car? I believe yeah. that Teddy would. He's just trying to get the car from him. And. I, I, I don't actually think that Teddy would ever just abandon Leonard. Right. Because
2: he's, he's trying to he doesn't like Leonard. The whole time. He yeah. does yeah. like
1: him. Well, he's, I think he well Because why would he just steal well, the fucking also, car? Also, he's used the, the yeah, just, yeah, exactly.
2: Like, he
0: does like him. He doesn't want to. He has a sympathy for He He, doesn't want to help him. Hurt him. he helped
1: him in the first place.
2: I do think maybe it's like also in the beginning. useful. Also useful. So yeah, he doesn't want to break Leonard. Yeah, and it's like he's, he's, he's manipulating yeah. Leonard
0: in a very like sinister way, but at the same time, he's like, "Don't talk to this girl, Natalie, because she's I I know she's gonna well, do she's the doing same the thing same thing to you I'm, doing. That I'm like, doing to you, yeah. but I like you, and I'm not going to get you hurt. I'm never going to put you in a situation. But I think where you Teddy can't get Teddy also of. has like
1: some sense of justice because
0: it's like it's like the Dexter. Like thinking where
1: it's like, well, Dexter's a serial killer who kills other serial killers. Yeah. Like Teddy's just like, well, you're just killing fucking drug dealers, right? And they're making but, a little cash. And on they're the making side. a little cash on the side. Like I'm doing a good. Th-
0: he he thinks he's doing a good thing. He thinks he's cleaning yeah, up crime. And Teddy's right. just like kind of just like a, a, a lovable scamp. Yeah. He's a little piece of shit, but yeah. like he's he's a scamp. He's a dirty cop. Mm-hmm. Crooked cop, rather. Yeah. Um, who's taking advantage of this? Poor soul's mental illness yeah. and mental condition and, and just like place in life and how this person is trying to live their life. You know, it's the idea of Teddy is this thing in Leonard's life that doesn't allow him to decide if Leonard wants um, justice yeah. or if he wants purpose. Right. Mm -hmm. Because if he, that's why the ending is so, uh, ambiguous because if, now that he's gone at the beginning, yes, now that he's gone, there's no one to tie Lenny down. Right. Uh, Teddy has been doing that. Teddy has been giving him purpose. Like we go to another place, we find another John G. There's tons of them out there and we make some money on the side. That's how we... That's how we support ourselves. We're going around
2: killing bad people. Leonard's purpose is baked in because he believes that someone killed his wife. And Teddy says that to him. He says, I thought you would have remembered when you killed the man that killed your wife. But you still had this thirst for revenge. So that's the interesting thing for me is it wasn't Teddy feeding him that thirst for revenge. He had it anyway. Teddy just gave him the purpose and he's, gave him a conduit to pointing him, to, yeah, pointing to, him in a direction where so like
0: you're going to hurt somebody we might as well point you in the direction what of somebody happens, that deserves it and right. that we can benefit from right it.
2: so what happens to Leonard when you don't have someone channeling that that rage
0: yeah aiming the gun right yeah uh-huh. and it's I think that that's really interesting because you know and, and even Carrie Ann Moss like a lot of characters say like I think that you'll remember it this time, or like I, I would hope it's, that you'll well, remember it's it. Is the analogy or is the
1: allegory <coughs> of the Sammy? Je- I'm gonna say Jenkins. The Sammy, the Sammy Jenkins, because like Jenkin. because Sammy Junkum, um, his wife was just like, if you keep giving insulin shots, it's gonna trigger you being like, I've given you too many. You're gonna remember. Right. It's the same thing where all these characters are just like you gotta fucking remember this because it's the craziest thing I've ever seen. And he doesn't because he just has this fucking problem that no one believes – like literally and no
2: one believes him. That's where I think the mental illness conversation comes in because it, it – it's subtle there because it's it's not like a, a – one of the more prominent themes of the movie. But it is this sort of um, misguided view on mental illness because yeah. everyone else around and, – and they talk about it with the Sammy Jenkins um, story. Like his wife – couldn't get rid of the seed of doubt that he right. was faking it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where it is this sort of antiquated view of mental illness mm-hmm. that unfortunately still exists in a lot of cases, where it's all in your head. Yeah. Like well, you again, have anxiety, this is an obvious oh, calm down, it's all in your head. Yeah. Or you have depression, cheer up, it's all in your head. Whereas the truth is, it is something that really is an illness. Yeah.
0: It's it's the difference between what the whole movie is talking about with Lenny's condition and his story is the difference between subjective an objective between right. reality and fantasy you know between what how you perceive the line that they say but the thing
2: uh, is with mental illness reality is perception yeah so if but it's you how have
0: the it's how the subject exactly perceives it and how everybody else looks at the subject as the object right and goes no 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 but i'm i see it like this so all you have to do is just, you know, see it you like just I have see, it. To see it like I see exactly. it and you'll be fine. And it's, it's the difference between like, and literally the subjective point of view at its basic cannot be changed. Everybody has their own subjective point of view right. and everybody has their own subjective uh, way of looking at things. And the objective point of view, nobody can have an objective point of view on themselves, really you right. it, like you can you can you know broaden your mind take a shit ton of drugs and you can kind of understand <laughs> yourself a little bit better but you're never fully going to be able to understand how other people perceive you perceive you as you
2: which is interesting how this movie approaches that sort of commentary on mental illness because as you said before it's a very cold movie and the, maybe the one thing that you can do to break through that lack of Subjectivity and understand the objective is empathy, and this movie yeah. is void of pretty much no one has empathy, empathy for yeah. whatsoever. No.
0: I mean, there's a little bit in there with Teddy. I with, guess uh, with Teddy, yeah. I mean, like I think the sweetest part with the uh, the the memory speech where Teddy takes uh Lenny to lunch, he takes yeah, him to the diner, and they get some soup, and uh, and Teddy's just like eating, and Lenny's not even touching his food, and he just like starts. Fucking around with things, he can't stop doing things. He's just like rolling up napkins and like moving shit around and he's talking about he just he blows up with this uh argument about memory, which is something that he wouldn't have, you know, like that comes from his insurance investigator days. It was like memory is oh it's all about facts, facts, facts because that's insurance is made to like fuck people over. Mm -hmm. By using facts against memory of the thing. Like it doesn't matter what what you remember happening. It's about what can you prove. And that's what leads to the whole um, Sammy Jenkins' wife coming in. And it's not actually his wife because Sammy Jenkins never had a wife. Right. Um, Right. It's just these little tiny things that they plant in there that uh, kind of correlates into the idea that... Some people are just kind of out to get you. You yeah. know, like him as an insurance investigator, that's like not a good gig. No, like that's no. going out trying you're to like you. are like this, you're the tax collector that are in yeah. need of help and you're trying to figure out a way where your company can save money. Right. And now all of a sudden he's put in a position where he is, he's the, he is those people. He, and, and he is surrounded by people that are just taking advantage of him and his, and his
2: illness and his condition. Right. Which is the same, like, like you said, he, has, he is this insurance investigator. And when he describes the Sammy Jenkins case, he's, he, he reiterates multiple times, I never said he was faking it. Right. Mm-hmm. He said, well, it's, it was psychological, not physical. So he has that sort of guilt towards that.
0: Yeah. And it's, they really, they play into how, it, in, in watching it first, when you don't know the twist at the end, that Sammy Jenkins is in fact Leonard, like right. a version or, of Leonard. Right, yes. Uh, it really is interesting because in that way, they really do kind of like also beat down that Quentin Tarantino plot hole, which is he remembers Sammy Jenkins very well. And he understands these conditions and like riding a bike, you know, like you, you, it's a different part of the brain. Right. You can remember things. Um, and that's what leads him to say, like, it's not physical, it's mental and he's not covered under mental insurance. Right. It's, um... You, using that and following through again, like I, I guess I'm just kind of uh, t- uh, doubling down on the idea of making Leonard's character a an insurance investigator, right? And then just having him one of the biggest cases he ever had is somebody who has this thing mm-hmm. with short-term memory loss. It's not, you know, it's not. It, it's 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 not a. It, it's rare. You know, but it's not impossible. Mm -hmm. And he he finds out that he's a fraud. Right. And then Leonard actually gets that disease. And there's something in there that's kind of... You know, there's some kind of a, a moral story in that. But everything about Sammy Jenkins' story is fake. He's a con man. And he's essentially telling his own story and reversing... Everything about it in this kind of eternal loop of his actions begetting him his own actions again and again, and right. that he is responsible for where he is in some kind of moral way right you know like he he never actually he, he found somebody out who was doing something that was wrong and then that actual thing happened to him but it's really weird to like talk about it because it's, it's once you find out the twist, it's all over the place. Right. You know, so like the it doesn't, it's not a twist make that make it, makes the plot easier. It's a yeah, twist that's just like oh, wait a second. There's no now. end to it. It's just it just keeps going.
3: Uh, that's
1: where the snake's eating its butt. It's right here yeah. on my
0: little arm.
2: Viewer, listener, you that's guys good are viewers. Radio. Yeah, that's good. Ah, uh-huh. uh-huh. nice. Yeah. I, with this. I, there's a lot to unpack in this. Movie. Yeah, like this is you know it's an over drinkers. Technically, we usually come into this thing with notes, but we just watched this movie. Wait, and it's a little bit of a hot take it. as well. And I haven't yeah. seen this movie in probably ten years, so this is it's been a long time for me as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen this movie in a couple of years. Uh, I wa I used to watch it all the time. Clearly, clearly, yeah, because <laughs> I, I really dug it. I really liked how there was uh, stuff that was. You know, on the surface and under the surface, you know, like, and the more you scratch at it, the more you're kind of like, "Oh, this is kind of an interesting this thing." This movie has that. a lot of, yeah, layers. it's got a lot of that, and I, I really think that the basic idea of like tackling uh, the perception of uh, like subjectivity and objectivity is really cool, and that's the
2: basic uh, thing that they're trying to do here. That's why I love the fucking movie, right? Again, the plot is really simple, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. the way that it's executed. Is, yeah. makes it so much bigger mm.
1: I think like uh, yeah, it influenced me like as like a writer like I remember when I saw this movie again I, me- I mentioned seeing this movie when I was like first like starting to go to like you know learning about film and going to school for it and like I-, I think I was also taking like a Final Cut pro class so like kind of like understanding editing through this movie and also like I wrote a lot of really fucking terrible movies about kind of like the same like reverse editing type things I didn't fully understand it but I was trying to get it you know um, but like it just really it gives you a lot to think about, and then you leave the movie not feeling any better about it. You're just kind of like, oh, there's still a lot because, like, I remember when we finished this viewing. I remember like leaving, it, thinking to myself, Teddy, I'm glad Teddy gets killed because he's kind of a villain in a way as well, and this maybe like liberates Leonard to some extent, but like that also. But then no, kind but of why, was, it, it, no, it no doesn't way. save him. It, no,
0: it doesn't save him. And Teddy, then like, Teddy is presented as the villain at the beginning. And by the end, we realize that Leonard's the villain.
2: Yeah. Well, Leonard Leonard's is... the one that... that I don't, I don't want to it Leonard, He's though. the one
0: that's hiding the pages. He's the one that's blocking out the facts that are leading to him murdering
2: people. Right, but is that is that from a place of villainy or is that from self-preservation?
0: Self-preservation, absolutely. But when you're... I don't but think a, there's malice in what... When you're throwing the term obje- villain oh, in there, objective it's villainy. not Teddy. And if it's yeah. not Teddy, it's Leonard. Leonard well, is the one that is causing I think you the can, the evil.
2: You can right? Well, you can read and No, I disagree with that point mm-hmm. because Lenny is not causing the evil. Lenny's along for the ride and he is motivated by by this thirst for vengeance. But I think he creates this lie to himself as a way to preserve some semblance of a reality, right? right? Yeah. yeah. When you want to talk about a villain, who has the malice? Like well, the person that wants people dead is Teddy. And this is, and this is that, why I think it's it's good because it's not just like a black and white, like who's the bad guy? Right. Who's the good guy? And, it's right? fun,
0: it, it, that's, and that's interesting and that's a way to look at it. But going back to what we talked about before where Teddy is pretty much kind of like aiming Lenny. Sure, yeah, like, but that's Lenny to say, like, is going to kill people. Right. To go back to your analogy, he's going to keep is, killing people because he's going to keep forgetting. Is Dexter a, a villain? Dexter's a bad
3: guy.
2: He's he's no, an hero No one is yeah. good in this movie. Carrie Ann Moss right. is bad in but, this movie. But, but everybody but is, Teddy bad is, in this is movie. just
0: aiming. Is just it, like there. There's a guy who is just going to kill people. He's going to kill John G's. He's going to keep doing it. And Teddy is aiming it at the right people. Well,
2: the right people to benefit
0: Teddy. To benefit Teddy. Absolutely. So yeah, he's not a hero. So, but killing Teddy, okay, maybe it doesn't liberate It Leonard. breaks the cycle. It breaks the way. cycle.
1: Like Leonard is now going to investigate, but maybe he won't find another John G that will fill in those blanks. Because the guy who's filling in the blanks is Teddy. God, what a... Whew.
0: This is interesting. What an this existence. Is, we could be here all be all violence. fucking night. It's true, but like, I
1: I have trouble, because like, you know, it's there is a, the moment where he gets back into his car at the end of the movie, he throws away Teddy's keys, he gets back into his car, and he starts making notes being like, don't trust him, because mm. he's just like, I don't want Teddy to manipulate me anymore. Because well, I just killed this guy in cold blood, and he's not the guy. But we know, as the audience, and I mean, I guess Leonard might know to a certain extent, even though he's like in the fever of his anger,
2: that he's going to keep searching for this no man. The the, the question really is, what does Leonard do in the thirty seconds after the very beginning of this movie, where the the, the opening mm-hmm. shot of this movie is that he's Polaroid got of. Yeah. What is he right on? Of John G dead, right? What is he right on that? Good job, you did it, you're done. Mm-hmm.
0: That's true. I think that in the because of that one is one of the reasons that they yeah. they start off with the picture fading over the credits, and it takes a full like two minutes. Yeah, I think that in the time that the picture develops, and he's just in that room standing over the dead body, he's not going to know what's going.
2: You could probably piece it together. He could probably piece it together. Mm, but he hasn't sure. before. But when he but does it. But when does he, when like he pieces that, it actually. together? It's, it be it's interesting because he'll, he'll wake up in the motel room and be like, I have to find, oh yeah, I did it. Well, no, he's going to wake up in that spot, yeah. I guess. Yeah. I guess he could just tattoo over his forehead, like, All done. Stop killing Stop murdering <laughs> <done> please. <laughs> well, I think we
0: should cop. Cut it off right there. I think <laughs> we, should, uh, we should tattoo on our forehead all night. We should tattoo on our forehead. That's all it. We've, we've, we've talked about Memento enough. It's We're going to a this podcast. Or hey, you it. know it's what? It's we good. Good. could do another good. Memento good. episode like two years down the line just so we forgot about this one.
2: Hey! Hey! Yeah, if, if we go off my previous viewing of this movie, it'll be about 10 years and then I'll forget all cool. the details. Also, enough. in a funny right, way, we if, we'll
0: meet if, on this date 10 years from now. If cell
1: phones and the internet existed or was in this movie a little bit more well I mean that's a big thing yeah for every movie like this yeah this movie can't really not that it can't exist but mm-hmm. not in the same way that it does if those things were around God why? Bless, were you uh, saying you would just need to up, he he google, google, google am I actually a serial killer I guess
2: <laughs> yeah oh, am yeah. I been
0: killing people am I been killing people Oh, I have.
2: Go- Google oh, says a lot, people, yeah. a lot of people are
1: looking yeah. for me. Oh, yes. my Google I
2: I Instagram is just mm-hmm. dead people. My-
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <Shit>. <laughs> Hashtag where John G at. Uh,
1: <laughs> uh. All right, well, Hashtag thank no you guys filter. so much for
0: listening. Um, tune in uh, pretty soon for some really good new podcasts coming your way. Yes. Uh, for another episode of Overdrinkers, I'm Mike Burge. I'm Jack Kowalski. I forgot. Robert Anderson. It's a
2: good bit. Your three cars. You like that, right? You like that. <laughs> Have a good one. Right. Thank you
0: for listening. Bye. It's still going.
1: It's yeah, my it birthday. Is it Happy actually Happy birthday. birthday? Happy birthday! Happy birthday! Yeah, thanks. Let's go to bed. Yeah, let's go to bed. Look at that big chunk of sound.